Welcome to Get Naked with Dr. Kate. I'm your host, Dr. Kate Balistrieri, a Beverly Hills-based psychologist, certified sex therapist, and the founder of Modern Intimacy. Thanks for joining me here where I talk about sex, relationships, mental health, and dive into your questions with practical answers and real solutions. Each week, I share insights aimed at helping you build an authentic and healthy relationship with yourself, with others, and with your sexuality. It's time to get naked emotionally, mentally, and on your own time, physically. Thank you for listening to Get Naked with Dr. Kate. Stay connected with me on Instagram and TikTok at Dr. Kate Balistrieri. Everyone has questions and I want to answer as many as I can. So feel free to email your questions to question at getnakedpodcast.com. If you're looking for a free 30-minute consultation with me or someone on my team, visit modernintimacy.com. And don't forget to join our newsletter, Modern Intimacy, on Substack. Let's meet back here next week. A new episode drops every Tuesday. Disclaimer, this podcast is not a substitute for therapy and does not constitute a professional relationship with Dr. Kate Balistrieri or Modern Intimacy. This podcast is strictly for education and entertainment purposes only. Sarah, thanks so much for being here with me. I've been dying to speak with you since I saw you make a comeback on social media. What, <laughs> what was it like for you to come back after being gone for so long? I mean, it's really scary. It's, it's, well, it's not scary. It's fun, you know, reconnecting with people. But um, because I was, because I, I had, you know, I had a few thousand followers and then everything blew up in 2020 with the, um, the lip syncing videos that I was making. And so I want to say 90% of my followers are from that, maybe 95%. And so now that I'm not doing that anymore, it's really like, not great for some people, um, but some people are coming along for the ride with, for the new Sarah Cooper, whoever Sarah Cooper is. I'm still trying to figure that out. Um, but uh, yeah, so, you know, it's, it's, it's fun to be um, just silly and fun online and not what I was, I was hiding before because I, you know, as soon as you po- start posting something and people don't like it, they start unfollowing you and you're scared to lose followers. But then if you never post, then you're just kind of sitting at home doing nothing alone like I am. So I've been so curious, you know, when I first found your content, it was 2020 and like your lip syncing videos got me through some really dark political times. And I'm sure I'm not alone in that. Um, but I'm really curious how you came up with the idea to start making those lip syncs and what effect it had on you when you first started getting the feedback you were getting um i yeah i was just i was just frustrated like everybody else you know i was mostly jealous to be honest with you because i always wished i could be like (laughs) the guy who's just saying nothing but everybody still nods and thinks he's a great guy and um the, the stuff he was getting away with, I just, you know, I would love to get away with that stuff. So um, I, that was my inspiration, just pure jealousy, jealousy and hatred, a little hatred, a little jealousy. Um, and so I, yeah. And so I wasn't trying to be Trump. I was just trying to be like who I would be if I was, you know, in a meeting, just saying nothing and thinking that I was brilliant. And it was, it's ironic because I feel like it actually gave pretending to have pretending to the pretending to have the power that he has, um, which I think is a, a huge power that a lot of you know um, people who don't look like me have. 
um, to be able to say whatever they want and take their time and all of that stuff and not make any sense um, and contradict themselves. Um, you know, that actually gave me so much power. So it was like, it was kind of a realization of like, wow, you fake it till you make it actually does work because I was pretending to be this, this guy and all of a sudden now I had all of these people who wanted to work with me and I got all of these huge opportunities by pretending to be that guy. So now I'm just wondering if I should just tell everyone to just lip sync him. Maybe they'll, it'll give everyone superpowers, you know? <laughs> Now, I saw recently in some of your content that um, you were talking about how there were so many people who supported you and really rallied behind that content because mm -hmm. they shared in your sort of uh, hatred or frustration. And then there were so many people that really rallied because maybe they thought you were celebrating um, what it meant to be a person like that or to be um, the person you were imitating or lip syncing. And, I wonder about that sort of contrast and, and how how it's sort of shaped the content you're making today, because you've really stepped away from that. And I think I remember seeing that it was intentional because you just didn't want to be around a lot of that tension or heat. Mm hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, I think. I think it was a moment, you know, I think 2020 was just a moment for that. And, you know, what you said about um, being able to laugh in a dark moment, that's a comment I get a lot. You know, mm -hmm. when people, you know, compliment me, it's always just thank you. I really enjoyed those videos. The other night, a gentleman said, I really love those. I really miss those videos, which that's the thing that's like, wait a second, I made you miss him. <laughs> like, I don't want to be the person that makes you miss that. Um, so that was, you know, I always want people to feel joy and happiness when they um, see anything that I do. That's my goal. And I think at this point, I don't see any possibility for really joy or happiness with what he's doing. The fact that he's still running any of anything that he's doing, I just don't even want to be associated with it. And so people say, Oh, he's saying so many dumb things. I wish you would make the videos again so that I could, you know, it would make it easier for me to listen to him. And I just want to be like, don't listen to him. You know, that that's what would make it easier for you is actually if you just didn't, didn't pay attention to him. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you've been through a lot in life and a lot over the last few years, and that was the impetus for your new book that's coming out, I believe, today, right? October 3rd? Yes, today. That's right. Yes. And your book, Foolish, so funny and so raw and so relatable. And I would love to hear a little bit about how you came to kind of start the impetus for this book and, and how you feel now that it's out there? Well, um, it was, I knew I wanted to do sort of a bunch of different essays. I've been writing since I was little and you, you know, I have a journal in there from when I was 13 and going to the Poison concert and the Iraq war was starting. <laughs> so it was a very interesting intersection of those two things, both uh, George Bush and Brett Michael, the, you know. <laughs> Um, so, uh, I had, I've been writing since then, writing in blogs, writing in journals. And so I knew I wanted to, um, do some essays and tell some stories, but the, really the shape of it and what 
the actual message that came out of it really, it didn't coalesce until I was kind of done with it. Mm -hmm. I think I, I read it a few times and, um, I said, wow, I wrote about men a lot. Mm-hmm. And I didn't really notice how much, how sort of obsessed I was with men. And I definitely didn't realize that, that my obsession with men had to do with power and looking to them to give me the power and confidence that I felt like I couldn't get on my own. Um, and so that was when I, you know, I, I love that because like you get to the end and you're like, oh, wait, no, this is really important, you know, because when I started writing it, I was just like, let me just be funny. And then when you finish it, you're like, oh, actually, my life changed in so many ways. I changed in so many ways. And I'm hoping that there are, you know, especially women out there who can relate to this um, idea of, of trying to check all the boxes and get, get married and get the plant and have the kid. And, um, even when it's not working, still feeling like, no, I can't leave. I can't, there's nothing I can do about it. I'm in it for the rest of my life kind of thing. And I was lucky enough. And that's, that's why the the final section is sort of the, the part about 2020 is that it seemed like everything sort of intersected in, in the perfect way in order to people are like, oh, you, you had all these opportunities in Hollywood. Yeah, but really, like, I got out of an unhealthy relationship. Like, that was actually the biggest thing. And I saw the relationship between the authoritarian in the White House and the, you know, gaslighting that was happening at home. But it took, I was so, I was so distracted by the gaslighting there that I couldn't see the gaslighting that was happening in front of me. Mm-hmm. And when I finally did, it was like a light switch that went off and it was, it was over. And it was still the hardest thing that I've ever done is walk away from that relationship from a, a man I thought I was going to be with for the rest of my life. But I'm, uh, so I can't even, you know, I can't even say I'm 10 times happier. Like, I don't think I can put it into a number how much happier I am now. Um, and, and the scary thing was, is I didn't even realize how miserable I was. Like, it, it took all of that happening for me to even realize how miserable I was. Yeah. Yeah, I hear that so frequently from women, especially women in their 40s. There's like, and, and I think you captured this so well in your book. Well, I'm actually 23. I'm actually oh. 23. Thank you. Sorry. <laughs> Same. <laughs> Aren't we all? <laughs> yes, 23 again. Um, but what I, what I hear, there's like an overarching theme of just becoming aware of how incredibly disillusioned you become in life and how all of these things that we've been chasing were such a fantasy, right? A fantasy of the happy ever yes. after, a fantasy of this yes. partnership that was based in mutuality and and like common understanding and a shared goal and i'm sure for you and with many women there is there are moments of that but i'm just seeing this like shedding a shedding of the fantasy and a deeper understanding of who you are and that requires letting go of who you think you are and you just so beautifully hit that nail on the head so many times i mean there's one chapter that really just sent me into absolute hysterics with your seething rage about the linen closet. Can you talk yes. a little bit about that? <laughs> I'm happy to. Um, and and um, men, men don't get it, but I'm going to try to like break it down for the men who are listening. Um, we, 
we we found a new place and there was a linen closet and you know I live in New York City where the apartments are very tiny there's no such thing as having a linen closet you don't have you have a box on top of the fridge you know you have um, <laughs> that's where you put your towels and so to have a place to put towels and sheets was like oh my god I've moved up in the world this is so great I'm so happy when my mom comes to visit you know I can pull out the towels for and I can feel really proud of myself and he decided he wanted to put his t-shirts, boxer briefs, and socks in the linen closet um, permanently. And um, it's an example of how bad our communication was that I didn't have the courage to say to him, hey, please put your stuff somewhere else because this is a linen closet. <laughs> <laughs> and I want to put linens in the linen closet, um, and people don't people don't get it. But when you um, when you are when you're in a relationship where like it, you tiptoe around someone, and you uh, tiptoe around topics, and you have to come up with the right time to say something, and they have to be in the right mood for it. You know, all of these things. That my mom is like, I want to say she's like a CIA agent. The way she has to like put up blocks and like and like barriers and then like get my dad to the ending that she needs him to get to and she's brilliant at it but my god the amount of like work it takes you know um and i i didn't i don't have that that my mom has so what i did was just suffer in silence and um let him use the linen closet and just really just like oh well i guess i'll just put the towels on top of the fridge like we always do and um I never, I never talked to him about it. I asked for the divorce, and, I, and and we got divorced. Literally, never brought it up. In fact, I think the first time he found out that the linen closet was a problem was probably reading this book, if I if he ever read it. Um, and so, uh, women are told, everyone's told, relationships are hard. But it shouldn't be like that. You should be able to have a conversation like that. And I will take, I'll, tell, I'll take some responsibility for it because I had a roommate, you know, who I didn't like the couch and I wanted to get a new couch and I couldn't, I couldn't, I didn't have the energy or, or the, um, well, it was the people pleasing, like wanting to be liked mm -hmm. and the fear of being rejected that made me sort of reject anything about myself that might make them not like me. And so I had the same thing with my ex and it was, it's something that I'm still working on, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I think it's a lifelong process for a lot of folks because we're we're so conditioned to be acquiescent as women, and then I think on top of that, we learn how to be indirect in our communication through lots of other channels, right? What we see in media, through our families, cultural messages, all things, and it it can be really exhilarating and amazing to step away from those behaviors and it also can be really scary when you start to realize that some of the relationships that survived because you were people pleasing just aren't going to be a good fit anymore and I wonder if you've seen any of that falling out in your life as you've started to make some changes absolutely I mean this is something that I definitely wanted to talk to you about because I feel like I um have gotten really good at sort of protecting my energy, you know, and um, and that not protecting my energy and like I don't have a lot of energy. It's more like I want good energy around me, um, and so I've gotten very sensitive to negative energy and um, don't don't really want to be exposed to it. And so it's made it hard to talk to family sometimes because 
you know, my dad, for example, it was his birthday. I call him for his birthday. He's 81 years old. Um, happy birthday, dad. How are you doing? I'm doing good. Well, you know, you heard about, you know, your aunt's friend. He, he died last night. You know what I mean? Immediately to the negative mm. of someone dying before you even get through this happy birthday that I'm trying to tell you. Like, it's just, there's such a focus on um, sadness and things. I don't know why, but it, I, I think part of the reason is that like sometimes, well, for my dad especially, it's just like that almost makes him more grateful for what he has to look at people who aren't as as um, well off. I don't I want to feel good about me. I, I don't want to look at I don't want to look for people who are doing badly to make myself feel better about myself. And so um, wanting to have that positivity in my life has really made me kind of a hermit and you know like I really don't you know I don't go out as much I'm loving it but also I feel like well I can't be like this forever I think that's kind of where I'm at yeah that's a tricky balance because going out inevitably means you're going to run into people who maybe just aren't in the same headspace or path of growth that you're in and it's yeah. awkward to excuse yourself from those dynamics, but so necessary. Yeah, I try to, as a comedian, I'm like, oh, maybe, you know, I, I um, you know, if you, if you step outside of it and you're like looking at it from a third person perspective and you're looking at the humor of it, you know, the humor of the fact that my dad literally can't <laughs> accept a happy birthday without talking about death. Um, <laughs> Nah, maybe it'll, maybe it's it's funny, but then sometimes I just yeah, and so I really I haven't been on any dating apps. I got rid of all my dating apps. I haven't been on any dates. Um, you know, it's been a it's it's yeah. It's I, everybody's like, oh, you're a single girl now. I'm like, no, I don't know what I am really. Yeah. How long yeah. has it been since you have dated? Since taking yourself off the apps? About six months. Yeah. What do you notice about? like your relationship with yourself in that time? Um, I think I, I just find all this joy in, um, in my, I don't know, I just find joy in my daily life. I, I don't know, I'm just, like when I go to bed and I, I actually started doing this after after the divorce, I, I go to bed in lingerie. I don't even wear lingerie in the day, but I put on lingerie to go to bed, and I sleep in the middle of the bed, and if I wanna watch Mad Men before I go to sleep, I do that. I mean, I just feel so free. I feel so free. And so it's been nice to um, see who I am when I, when I feel like this free to just be whatever I'm going to be. It's actually been, really helpful in like my career to be like oh this is how I enjoy spending my time you know this is how what I want my days to look like I don't think I've quite found it yet but it's been such a privilege to be able to just explore that that's awesome I'm gonna take that that note and start sleeping in lingerie on my own that feels amazing and like such a such a reward at the end of the day to just pamper yourself in this way I love it, and um, yeah, my my friend has this company called Underclub, and I've been a subscriber. It, I get new lingerie, a new piece every month, uh -huh. and so I, I just like you know try it on, and um, yeah, it's it's for me, you know, uh -huh. it's not for anyone else, and I love that. Well, now I guess everybody who's listening to this will know. <laughs> 
true, but they're not there. Yeah. Um, before you got off the apps, I'm really curious what it was like going from being married to then like dating again and having this uh, newfound wisdom, also creating new frameworks for your relationships. What were you running into? Well, I, you know, the first guy that I dated after um, my divorce was someone who um, I decided, oh, I'm, I'm getting married again. Like it was so fast. It was so like, oh, this is the guy. And, you know, I, um, he was a love bomber. So I was getting sucked in. Uh, I love the attention and the texting and like, you know, learning about his career and trying to teach him about what I was doing. And, you know, I thought, oh, wow, this, this could really be it. Um, but then, you know, I just realized after about six weeks, like he wasn't, I don't know. He was just a hangout guy. Like he, he wasn't, he didn't remember like things that I had told him, you know, mm. from the previous week. Um, he responded, I texted him one morning, like I woke up thinking about you and he responded with LOL. Oh, oh. <laughs> Um, and I was like, who, who is this person? Um, so, uh, but I still, you know, I was still in the mode of like, no, maybe, maybe this could work. I even thought to myself, oh, if he want kids, he wants kids. Maybe I'll have kids, even though I'd already decided I don't want kids. Mm -hmm. Um, and so eventually around the four month mark, I decided that, um, you know, I wanted at least to know where this was going. And that's when he broke it off. And I was kind of bummed. I was pretty bummed about it. Um, but then I, I, I actually really had to shift my perspective because I got to the point where I was like, I don't think I want to get married again. So why am I dating, A, only people that I could see myself marrying, and B, why am I, why am I thinking I need to be in this obsessive relationship where we're getting into each other's lives in a way that's feeling codependent. And I, I write about this in the book, but I, I, I felt like with him, I became this person called Relationship Sarah, where like my, my voice was like kind of like higher, and I would only like say things that I thought he would like, and I was seeing everything from his perspective, and um, I was bored, but I, I didn't want to tell him I was bored, you know? And I realized how much I minimized my own I don't know, uh, joy. I minimized my own joy because of this relationship that, you know, and that's the thing. It's like, we put the relationship above ourselves and, and then we sacrifice so much of who we actually are and what we actually want to save this relationship as if the relationship is the thing. And that's what I was doing. And so it took a while. It took like eight months of like seeing a few people here and there, but eventually I got to the point where I was just like, I'm not going to be texting people back and forth. I'm not going to be sleeping over three nights a week. I'm not, I'm not going to be doing that. I'm looking for some fun companionship here and there, but I don't want that, that you are my everything, you are the center of my world type thing anymore. In fact, I think my ideal relationship now would be like a guy who's like 50, who has a great career and lives in a different city, and um, <laughs> we see each other once a month, you know, once a month for an adventure mm -hmm. and that would be perfect. It's pretty great. That's what my relationship is right now. We live on opposite coasts, and I have to say, it's 
fantastic. Oh my God, you're my hero. <laughs> but it's not for everyone, right? And, and I think you have to... Well, what are the downsides of it, do you think? Um, the downsides are, well, the main one is that we have to sustain two households and that's expensive. Um, but the other downsides are that there are like little moments throughout the day that you don't get to share with your partner. And my days are super fast. I'm sure your days are too. And just like at the end of the day, sometimes I don't have enough energy to do much more than stare at the wall. <laughs> yeah. So I don't remember all the good things that happened that I want to share with him. And then a week goes by and I realize, oh, I haven't even brought him into this part of my world or I feel wow. so disconnected from his every day. And, and so sometimes that is kind of nice because then we can get more intentional about our emotional intimacy, but sometimes it's a little hard. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, that I, I I get that feeling now with a lot of people where I'm like, have I told you this? Like, I hate that feeling where I'm like, I wasn't sure who I told this story to yet. And I get yeah. disconnected that way. Yeah, it's tough. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. A few years ago, I was really struggling to take action in a direction that I wanted to move my career toward. And I knew what I needed to do, but my brain was really getting in the way. I was having a hard time falling asleep at night and I had all kinds of racing thoughts about the outcome. Do you ever feel like your brain is getting in its own way? Like you know what you should do and what's good for you, but you just can't do it? Well, therapy helps you figure out what's holding you back so you can work for yourself instead of against yourself. I know when I started therapy at that point in my life for one of many times, it really helped me get unstuck. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Make your brain your friend with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash get naked today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash get naked. The latest revolution from Kimono Condoms, America's thinnest condoms for over 25 years, is here. Meet Kimono Swirl, America's only double helix-shaped condom that stimulates both partners during use. Swirl's premium vegan latex twists and turns for luxurious pleasure with every movement. It's like a sex toy and condom in one exclusive package. 35 years of condom science are wrapped up into one satisfying product, and it's lightly lubricated and designed with lots of extra headroom for comfort. It even comes with an elegant sliding tray for packaging. Kimono condoms are ultra-sensitive and five times tested for strength and durability. Put a sensual spin on pleasure and protection with Kimono Swirl and don't do ordinary. Get your swirl on with Kimono condoms. Visit Kimono Swirl store on Amazon and use promo code 20 naked 20SWIRLNAKED through October 31st for 20% off your purchase. Well, you mentioned earlier in our conversation about being really attracted to power, right? Yeah. The, the power in the persona that you were imitating on in your earlier content. Yeah. And then also power in relationships. So can you say a little bit more about that? And I think you had some questions about that. 
Yeah, I I can't remember which video it was I saw, but it was um, a woman talking about how um, women are attracted to power. They want to be with someone who has a better career than them, who is doing better than them, who like so they can aspire to that, and um, that really resonated with me because um, that's really hot to me. Powerful guy is really hot to me, um, but then I was like, you know. If I'm attracted to someone who's more powerful than me, then and they're really attracted to me, then is the part of their attraction to me the fact that I'm not as powerful as they are? In which case, ew, yeah. I don't want to. I don't want to be. I don't want to be seen that way. Um, so, so then I started to think about like, well, how am I even dating men at all? You know what I mean? Like uh, knowing that I'm a woman, I'm a black, especially because I was dating a lot of white men who are seen as sort of, you know, the the top in this society. Mm-hmm. And obviously part of my attraction to white men was my own sort of internalized racism and thinking that white men were the thing to get. Mm-hmm. Um, and looking at it from their perspective, if, if we're looking at relationships through the lens of power, period, what is he getting from dating me, a black woman? You know what I mean? And so then I'm starting to really mess with my head, you know? Yeah, I believe it. It's, it's hard because I think, I think a lot of women who do find themselves attracted to powerful men sort of find themselves there in a, in a couple of paths. Like sometimes it's because they don't have access to power themselves. So being partnered with somebody who's really powerful gives them that connection to a sense of power that they don't either know how to get within themselves or literally don't have access to because of their social location or or other variables so it's it's sometimes not even an attraction to that man but it's just an attraction to something that feels so elusive right Mm -hmm. because a lot of those partnerships once once women get into them they end up feeling really bored and really like unmet and and disinterested because when there is such a big power dynamic, if it's not something, or power, excuse me. Um, Disparity. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> Friday, my brain's not plugged in. When there is such a big power disparity, it it can create just so much tension, but if it's made conscious, it can be something that couples thrive through, but often it's not, especially for people who have a lot of privilege in their power and aren't aware of that or aren't willing to look at it. But I think the other thing that's really intoxicating about women dating powerful men is that a lot of women have a a lot of empowerment in their bodies. Like they know they're strong as fuck. They know they're talented. They know they have a lot going on and they want to be really met in that. And it's hard to feel met when you are dating someone who maybe isn't at the same place in life that you are. And so I think it's both of those paths. Um, And sometimes it's really frustrating because when you date someone who does have less power as a woman, sometimes that can be okay. But a lot of women talk about how frustrating it is and how a lot of the men that they date who have less power than they perceive the women to have or than they actually have, they retaliate, right? And they do other things to sort of get power back in the relationship. I think that's true in a lot of heterosexual relationships where people are not more conscious about what's going on with their own relationship with power. Yeah, I mean, but also, you know, in my mom's day, you know, she, um, 
I think she was sort of trained to believe that you needed protection because you know you're you're she's a young woman growing up in the 60s in the middle of Jamaica and she was exposed to violence against women and she always thought I needed to be with a man to protect me from all of the, the things that could happen to me and I still see this um, narrative sometimes of 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 well, even when my, you know, when I when I got divorced and my dad said to me, well, you know, now that you're a single woman, I'm going to text you every day to make sure you're okay. I'm like, my husband wasn't, <laughs> wasn't, what was, what do you think my husband was protecting me from? Like, you know what I mean? Like, I protect me. So I think because of the growth of the power of women, that's what's made it sort of a little complicated. It's like, almost like, no offense, but what do we need what do we need the man for anymore, you know? Mm-hmm. And I, I, I say that as a person who very much is horny and wishes she could have sex. So, like, it's like, what do we need them for? But also, I would love to have one. So, I don't know. I'm very confused. I think, I think protection looks different in 2023 than it did back then. And maybe the protection that we actually need is prevention, right? We need men to be talking to other men and helping men eradicate violence against women because that that's really that's really the thing that would yeah. make that protection feels so valuable yeah not a lot of not a not a lot of brave men doing that though although i see some i see some I see like some. accounts on instagram where men it's so funny though there's a few where they're talking it, it, you can tell the audience is is women in uh narcissistic relationships mm-hmm. But their message, they're yelling it, and it's so aggressive. And I'm like, this isn't the tone. Like, I'm actually tone policing these men who are trying to help women in in narcissistic relationships. But it is so nice to see men, you know, speaking about um, fathers who who look at looking at their kids as babysitting. You know, Mm -hmm. that's a thing that seems like it's just never going to go away. Um, And I like to see men talking to other men about that because I think that that's that's really cool. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I think it's it's so important. It's also really sexy to see men mm-hmm. like stepping into that space. And I think, I don't know about you, but as I've gotten older, my definition of power has changed, right? And I've stopped looking at power as something that people have over others and really something that comes from within. So when I see men challenging other men, I think like, wow, that's, that's a real core relationship yeah. with power. And it doesn't require it doesn't require the domination of someone else in order to exist and that feels really important interesting i don't know if i um understand that um i think i really do see power as um a relation between people um like uh yeah no, I, I agree, but I sort of see power as power that requires the domination or superiority over another person is not true power because it doesn't yeah. exist if, I know. if it's yeah, you're not right. being proven, right? And so when I think about what yeah. power as like a sexy kind of power looks like, it's empowerment, power that doesn't require the overturning or, or oppression of other people. And I think that's, yeah, I think that's something that I just learned, like, just now, like, literally a second ago when you said it, because I I really didn't, um, you're absolutely right, and I just think 
maybe through what what I've been exposed to, what we get exposed to, mm-hmm. as you see someone who's quiet and they are quietly confident, mm-hmm. oftentimes we don't look at that as power, but that is power. Um, and actually there was, yeah, there was this uh, a friend of mine, Adrian Martinez, who's just uh He's he's such a he's such a big guy, and he looks like he could be like sort of like a bodyguard kind of guy, and um, he's he's such a quiet he's such a quiet guy. I don't know, and it seems like he's just knows who he is, and he commands that presence where he just everyone just wants to hang out with him because he's not ever trying hard to prove anything. He's just sort of being and. I've struggled with that um, because I feel like a I feel like a puppy dog, like always, like trying to, you know, you know, look at me, play with me, like let's hit, you know, like let's hang out, you know, instead of and even when I don't actually even feel that way on the inside, I feel like people want that, so sometimes I do it. Um, so it's yeah, I don't know where I was going with that, but yeah, there it is. <laughs> <laughs> but what I hear and what you're saying is that there's a grace in people feeling like they don't have to try that hard yes yes and that's my goal in life is to figure out that balance between being myself and not trying too hard but also who I am as someone who tries too hard so I am really confused (laughs) yeah well you talk a lot about boundaries um, in your book and sort of the uh, the way uh, maybe it's more indirect but I, I sort of hear this like negotiation about boundaries and I'm curious about like how you have restructured your own boundaries with folks and with yourself in life since you've started making some changes. Yeah, I mean, I think um, I realize how important my career is to me. I realize how important writing is to me and all of those things. And so I, um, I, I, I'm really just aspiring to be around more people like that. Um, and so I'm new to I'm, I'm new to actually having friends too like I it was hard for me to make friends um, and I realize that's why the book is sort of uh, well it is dedicated to my siblings um, because I realized how much they shaped how I am in a group and how I sh- sort of have shown up in my life and um, I have two sisters with disabilities. My sister Rachel, she's on the spectrum, and so that's where sort of like a lot of the faces, like my ability to make faces, I believe, comes from her. Because at a certain point growing up, we just had to sort of non-verbally communicate, even though she can she can talk, but like she can't have like deep conversations. And um, my sister Charmaine, she was born with Treacher-Collins syndrome, and so her face. Um, looks a lot different than most people. In fact, it's the most unique face you'll see ever see in your life, which I think is a beautiful thing. But our society doesn't really reward uniqueness. It rewards sameness in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, that has sort of shaped my relationship to beauty. Um, and so when I get in a group of women and they're all talking about this person's pretty and this person's whatever skinny and this per- I'm just like, it's it's really like, I I don't even know how to talk about those things. Um, I don't. It makes me feel uncomfortable mm-hmm. talking about it. I sometimes I, I even cringe when someone tells me that I'm beautiful because it makes me feel um, guilty. Mm-hmm. Um, so because of this environment that I grew up in, it's re, it's it's 
um, it turned me into someone who's very much uh, wants to dig deep into things, um, but also finds it hard to be around people who want to dig deep into things because I haven't been around people who want to dig deep into things because my family doesn't really want to dig deep into things. So it's like I'm at this point where I'm aspirationally looking forward to spending time with more people who like uh, want to talk about the things that I want to talk about and want to do the things I want to do. So I just feel like, I mean, my hope is that you make a space um, and people show up. Um, and that's, I made that space with men first. I really started there and said, you know what, this isn't a priority in my life, so I'm not going to be on the dating apps. I'm not going to spend my time uh, you know, on these dates. And then I sort of had to make that space also with friendships in terms of like, actually, I don't uh, want to go to the beach and just hang out all day. I just don't want to. You know? And just making those things sort of um, putting, you know, putting what I want first um, uh, in, in kind of all of my relationships. And not being codependent and needing to be best friends and being like, but but being able to like pop in um, and once a month and be like, hey, let's go to this event together. It's a completely different mindset of just like your life doesn't revolve around these people. It revolves around like, you know, your soul and who you are and who you want. And then people sort of come in and into and out of your orbit as in, in an organic way. I mean, that's kind of what I'm, you know, sort of building right now in my life. Where do you where do you think you want to be, or who do you think you want to be when you're sort of, you know, setting the intentions for building something different and creating these new relationships? I mean, I've always met people through work. Um, you know, I met my boyfriends through school and husband through work, and um, you know, my first husband, you know, I, people don't know that I've been divorced twice, but like, uh, that was just a quickie three month, whatever acting class, you know how it is. Um, (laughs) um, and so I love building relationships through work. I love building relationships through shared goals with, um, comedy and writing and, and things like that. So that's kind of where, what I'm starting with is putting myself out there as much as possible and putting the things that I love as much as possible out there and, and hope, you know, having people, hopefully attracting people who love those things and those ideas as much as I do. That's awesome. Do you have, your book is out today, Foolish, and I cannot sing the praises enough. Like I, I read it cover to cover in one sitting, and it was just Aww. so heartwarming and funny and uh, very inspiring. So I, I'm thrilled for you that it's out, and the rest of the world gets to start reading it. And you've got a couple of appearances coming up. Like where where's your book tour? What's your process? Yeah, um, thank you so much for your kind words, Dr. Kate. You're the best. Um, I am going to be in Philadelphia um, on October 4th. I'm going to be in New York with um, Amy Schumer October 5th at Symphony Space. I'm excited about that. Um, And then I'll be with Phoebe Robinson in D.C. October 6th at Politics and Prose. Um, And sorry, Philadelphia is with comedian Chanel Ali um, in... uh, at the Philadelphia Free Library. So those are my dates right now. I'll also be at the Chicago Humanities Festival um, October 14th. So, yeah. Are you coming With to Courtney LA Hall? Well? Are you coming um, to LA? I don't have any plans right now, but I've gotten... Oh, actually, no, I will be there. I will be there towards the end of October. Yes, okay. I just got a date. Yeah. Amazing, amazing. Yeah. Any other fun projects that you're working on, or, or is this sort of like 
You're taking a breather now. I'm taking a bit of a breather. You know, I will be doing some stand-up comedy um, at some of these events. So, um, and the stand-up comedy I'm doing actually takes you beyond the book um, and sort of goes into some more uh, embarrassing detail because my whole goal in life now is to be as foolish and humiliating as possible. <laughs> <laughs> okay, last question. Um, have any of your exes read the book that they've told you about? Um, no, 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 no. I, I sent, like I said, I sent the manuscript to my ex-husband and I haven't heard from him since. So I, you know, we, I don't understand people who are able to keep in touch with their exes. I've never been able to do it and I don't plan to start now. So, um, I, I think, I think I, I think I was honest with everything that happened and I'm, I'm proud of it. So I'm not super worried, but I'll let you know if I hear from anybody. <laughs> <laughs> well, I really thought that throughout the book, you were so gracious um, in talking about your ex relationships or past relationships or dating experiences and really kept the focus on your, like what you could be accountable for. Like I didn't experience it as uh, negative toward them at all. I really tried to do that, and I really feel like as women, we need to stop nodding so much, stop laughing at their jokes, stop making them think they're God's gift. What I used to do is like a man would go down on me, and I wouldn't even have an orgasm. I would fake the orgasm for him. Congratulations, you just got a free performance. It wasn't very good, but I did it anyway. And I would make him feel like the king of the world for doing absolutely nothing, and we need to stop doing that. Yeah. So, yes. So many years have been spent wasted just doing these performative orgasms. And you have a quote in your book where you're apologizing to an old roommate and you said something like, I'm sorry for all the unnecessarily loud fake orgasms. And <laughs> that was the best. <laughs> I wonder if she could tell they were fake. Probably she could, probably everybody could tell they were fake, yeah. <laughs> uh, well, it was awesome. Thank you again for coming on today and, and chatting with me about your life, you, who you are, what's going on, and of course your book. So. Thank you. Thank you so much, Kate. Thank you for listening to Get Naked with Dr. Kate. Stay connected with me on Instagram and TikTok at Dr. Kate Balistrary. Everyone has questions, and I want to answer as many as I can. So feel free to email your questions to question at getnakedpodcast.com. If you're looking for a free 30-minute consultation with me or someone on my team, visit modernintimacy.com. And don't forget to join our newsletter, Modern Intimacy, on Substack. Let's meet back here next week. A new episode drops every Tuesday. Disclaimer, this podcast is not a substitute for therapy and does not constitute a professional relationship with Dr. Kate Balistrieri or Modern Intimacy. This podcast is strictly for education and entertainment purposes only. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.